0: conversation my only fear is i don't want it to just be bashing
1: completely mediocre mediocre people oh, I, I've, so got I some some I've got some thoughts
2: i've got some opinions so
1: i do too so. I, I i actually spent some time last night uh trying to add some positivity to this yeah, it's so uh, just we just need a touch <laughs> of positivity uh, you know so
3: did you find any <laughs> success in that mark
0: i did I didn't
2: see
1: any updated notes on positivity because they're my notes. You know, <laughs> I, I always take the, the uh, generic, uh, generic outline and add my notes. You know, a few quotes, a few other things, so that fair enough. You're uh, good,
0: You're a good podcast. Got his own material, prepared. right? Hey guys, welcome back to the Better Building Systems podcast. I'm your host Clayton Fair, and here with me today is Nick Taliska, Jim T Pasquale, and Mark Sankey. As you guys know, we are the Building Hot Rodders, and today we will be discussing the rise of mediocrity, not only in our industry, but life in general. I think to get started with this podcast discussion we'll have today, we will pass the microphone off to Mark and let him give his overarching thoughts regarding mediocrity.
1: Mm. Can't wait. I I think, uh, you know, by definition, mediocrity is the, everything is driven to an average, but I think the greater problem than just the rise of mediocrity is the lowering of the average or the average, uh, either internal or external expectations from people in general. Uh, I think that in the workplace, we see it regularly. In society, we see it everywhere I think and and the examples that are the role models of non mediocrity read as excellence specifically that I had when I was young are becoming less and less predominant in the real world and when I say the real world I'm not talking about Facebook influencers I'm not talking about reality TV I'm talking about the real world you know some of the high performance role models that I look at are people like Elon Musk, Tom Brady, Pat Tillman, Uh, when I was young, it was, you know, John Glenn, Jack Kemp, Chesty Puller, All, all those kinds of examples are no longer celebrated the way that I think they should be. And instead, we've, how do you want to say it, diffused or refocused our, the significance of folks to what happens on uh, social media versus what happens and the impact that people have in the real world. Along with that, we have you know lower education performance models, we reduce the rewards and recognition of success, and that translates into acceptance of lower outcomes slash results slash expectations in the workforce and in the real world. Mark, can I...
2: Can I just clarify the definition? You start with mediocre. I thought you said it, it meant being average. Is that accurate?
1: Mediocre is, all right, I have to. I have
3: to. I, I, didn't,
1: I didn't look it up. I, I can in my first. Well, no, it, mediocre by. Uh, I thought it was just like wit- not very good. Like not No, from, this is from Wik- moderate Wikipedia. Moderate quality, right? Wikipedia mediocrity is common because most people are more or less average it's a condition of human nature okay well, let me i'm sorry let me clarify i think wikipedia <laughs> might
2: be a perfectly ironic definite source I to that. bring in i, I mean, agree with that okay
1: so, i agree I mean, with that i think
2: that. the definition i don't think it's being average i mean
1: no but definition I, we're all average aren't we right i agree but the Wikipedia definition discounts the fact that we're driving the average down as a society. I mean, you guys had the opportunity to look at my eighth grade uh, final exam from 1895, right? Oh yeah, and I've seen that before and it's shocking every time I see it over the years. It is shocking, right? (laughs) Okay, so uh, arithmetic. First, second problem, a wagon box is two feet deep, 10 feet long and three feet wide. First, the, the, the question is how many bushels of wheat will it hold? But I would even water it down and say, ask uh, the cashier at your local fast food restaurant, how many cubic feet will this wagon hold? And they'll look at you like, uh, I don't know. Can't do ask it. a Even ninth with a grader
2: that's actively studying it
1: and to not use a calculator and do it.
2: Yeah, just right. c- compute volume. I, I, I agree.
1: Okay, so this was not a high school exam. This was an eighth grade exam. So our standards have been continuously lowered uh, for whatever reason and either not uh, pushed back by parents or not... Uh, for whatever reason, the standards are going down. Therefore, yes, there is a, a progression towards the mean. Unfortunately, the mean has been going down.
0: So, I'm going to argue in an arguing mood mm-hmm. today Good. For, our, for our mediocrity podcast, and I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate for your 1895, um, you know, eighth grade test, right? And I don't know the answer to this, right? But In 1895, what was like the average life expectancy?
2: I will tell you, I know that uh, when about the time when they were drafting the constitution of this country, I think I've heard like the average age of death was 35.
0: Right. So, So, I mean, an eighth grader today is a little bit different, a little bit bit
2: better, probably 100 years later, but (laughs) not the 75 we enjoy now.
0: Yeah, I don't know.
3: so, I I see. Yeah,
0: yeah I right gotta
3: to jump in got and it. just <laughs> call you out on your interpretationist stats. You gotta look at the median age, <clears throat> not the the average um, expectancy, because most of those deaths were right at birth or close to birth. Okay, but most people point, on average, no, were an average, but you know, the median age was much higher than thirty five years old.
1: So the life expectancy 60? from, well, according to. Uh, Google, it was 41.2 years, but to Jim's point, there was significant infant mortality, which drove that number down.
0: But all I'm saying, you know, eighth grade and then what, you you went and you, you made it maybe already had a kid at that point? You're going to go, you'll be, get, grade? You, you'll be married soon? I don't know. <laughs> no? Am I way off? My, my, yeah. uh, I'm man. just saying, like, you're going gra- to, yeah. it's a completely different kind of time scale. From so, 1895. So let's uh,
1: just say, te- uh, I mean, Clayton, now let's translate that into a high school graduate. Yeah, okay. Now, okay. Can every high school graduate answer that question?
0: Probably not. I mean, there you
1: go. I, 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 I'm i just,
0: you know, I don't I mean, know. I'd I'm little...
2: argue that nowadays you have more time to use that knowledge and put it to you, so you definitely... Should know this. I mean, again, the applicability of a bushel of wheat, <laughs> perhaps not. But again, I think it's interesting because somebody can go look up, oh, what's the volume of a bushel of wheat, or what are its dimensions, like a quart of wood, or whatever. You know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I, I I I enjoyed looking at this and feeling completely ignorant, to be honest with you. <laughs> Come on, the epochs that U.S. history is divided into. Never really Uppets. even heard their up Yeah epochs really no epics uh, yeah epics boy wow we got a lot of discussion i thought we were going to get into the three types of averages a minute ago but i think jim pulled us out of that so
3: okay
1: well so uh, i i'm going to ask an overarching question though that in my myopia mediocrity has pervaded our society true or false true
2: mm. i struggle with the word pervaded because I think it's important how you frame it. Is it the rise of mediocrity or is it is the fall of excellence? I mean, and you can argue, Hey, it's the same difference, but I kind well, of look at this as like I... a top down thing where, you know, it's not so much we raised a bunch of mediocre performers, but somehow I think the expectation, and that's what I've seen in the workplace, the expectation from the leaders above the new people coming in set the tone a little bit so it's almost like they've fallen in their pursuit of excellence so yeah i guess which makes proportionally mediocrity perhaps a
1: bigger part of the pie i would agree with that everything starts everything starts with expectations yeah raise expectations you get better outcomes everything starts with expectations from parenting to workplaces to whatever and that probably goes to like the 8th grade exam a little bit
0: too. I mean, you're going to ask a 8th grader today those questions. They the expectations of the educational structure don't reflect that, right? They just want you to I don't know what is what is an 8th grader supposed to know today, but I don't know. It's not that, right? They don't teach that or they don't go that far. They they don't say, "Hey, do this by hand, just type it in your calculator." So I agree. I,
1: I'm, I don't. I'm, need, I don't care if you even give them a calculator. Ask them to calculate the volume in cubic feet with a calculator.
2: Well, there's merits to both, obviously. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think some of the, the generation now and the younger elementary, secondary, uh, yeah, it's a mix of that. I mean, it's the fundamentals of being able to even know what th- what the equation is, what the formula is, and there's the, that that debate of, well, why do we need to know it? We look it up now.
0: Yeah.
1: And there's arguments to that. So let me ask another question. Have any of you ever gone to McDonald's or any, any, I shouldn't draw, make the specific reference. They're not a sponsor. sponsor. (laughs) They're not a sponsor, right? Fast food restaurant. So your bill is $5.61. Yep. All right. So uh, me, if I have a $10 bill and 61 cents, I give them $10.61. And they look at you. How much? What am I supposed to do with this? Well, okay, you just five,
3: not paying with your iPhone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but my point is, there's an inability to do to do simple four function math without a calculator.
0: Yeah, and I think that comes from Nick's kind of statement of the top down because they don't have to, right? The cash register does that for them.
2: Well, and take the example of school and everything, if if that's not the expectation that's being set, right, to have that type of independent thought and show your work, which, you know, when I'm working with my children, and maybe it's because that's how I learned. And that's how I think it's, I don't know, it's easier to trace your steps and see where maybe you've gone wrong and then check your work, too. But, you know, there is that kind of, uh, maybe it's a cultural disconnect. I, I mean, hate showing your work.
0: I think that's <laughs> mediocrity in general. <laughs> if I can get to the standard. answer without showing my work, I'm I'm good. Why does it
1: matter? Because mm. it, in a complex, multi-step problem- But if where... I know the answer, why do I have to show you?
2: Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to get the answer to something and do it the wrong way? Yes. Like by chance. You just got the right answer, but the Ooh. next time you do that problem, well- I guess you didn't, you didn't really maybe understand
0: it, the fundamentals. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It argument. kind of depends on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. We're but talking for I, a grown man like you, reclaiming yeah, that. I know. For my, my son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if the answer is like, you know, I don't know, 3.624, what do you think the odds of him doing it wrong and getting that twice are?
1: Or something. You know what I
0: mean? Good.
1: Point. Well, if you're talking about drill bit, eighth of an inch what's the decimal conversion? Those are memorized. That's different yeah, than yeah, yeah, knowing yeah, the right yeah. answer. Yeah.
0: I'm just saying like, you know, multi-step arithmetic. It's like, uh, we're getting in the weeds here though. We're very, okay. very focused on society. the the educational part. And what I, what I wanted to do a couple minutes ago is, you know, when Mark made that list of names of people as uh, role models, right? Chester um, Culler, I remember that one. So, I, you know, I know a few of them. And, and to me, those, those are the people that are up before the majority of your average person.
1: You mean and, out of bed
0: yeah doing whatever they you know they're passionate about if it's going to the football field or going to work or what have you and then they're doing it later than the average person too
1: right um, and I think that's why those people excel you know I think there's a lot of reasons it, it, that people excel and and they're all habits but I, I was kind of looking to close with that versus going through it right now and just okay. I mean, but I'm okay with, I can go through it right now because I I, I just have tried to evaluate it over time, but you're right. It's hard work is a, is a big deal. You know, my, my thought process is how do we avoid mediocrity? Number one is the rule of fives, right? We've talked about the rule of fives before you become the most like the five people you're around. So you surround yourself with excellence, associate with people you respect and would try to emulate. And the next one is be the best in the words of my grandfather. I don't care what you want to be, but be the absolute best you can. And the next one is look in the mirror and be honest and work from your strengths and work on your weaknesses. That goes back to our earlier podcast of continuous improvement, right? Getting better. Right. Yeah. And a big one for me, because I don't, Uh, talk about my failures a lot, but I've had tons and tons, but you always try again and again and again, and you keep your sense of humor because now I have to tell you some of my most outrageous, really historic epic failures still make me laugh at myself. So yeah, you're going to fail. It's inevitable. If you're doing anything, you will fail, but do it again And then continue learning. And when I say continue learning, it's not continue learning from, you know, um, social media influencers. You read, apply it, and learn some more. Because that kind of learning, expanding, we, we talked about it in getting better. Expand your knowledge base, you know, depth and breadth. And then ask for a hand up when you're in a hole and be a hand up when someone else is in a hole. So, all that makes you better. And then, you know, we all have moral compasses, but basically you say no to doing something when your grandmother's whispering in your ear. And then the last one is be authentic. Don't bullshit. You know, is your Facebook personality the same as your real personality? If not, that's a problem. That's all I got.
2: Okay, ask some questions. That was, that was excellent. Yeah, Although absolutely, I, that was I, awesome. I, I took as many notes as I could here. What was <laughs> it, what was the part about grandma whispering in your ear?
1: Well, we all have a conscience, conscience right? Yeah, gotcha. So if you wouldn't do something when your if your grandmother was looking over your back, just don't do it.
2: Well, that's kind of like as you were talking. That was the theme in my mind. That was kind of developing, like even from the surround yourselves and. I guess like I wrote down, like uh, you know, the heroes part, looking up to something higher. And I wanted to ask with people that are because this is like a will thing. Like you have to be driven, mm-hmm. right? To like take stock of what you just said, Mark, and you know, look in the mirror, have that 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 time of introspection. Surround yourself with people that you admire, but also you can exchange these thoughts that and interests that you have with, right? And the things that make you good, but is there that feeling with people like that, that don't have a problem doing this and pursuing excellence that. Are you saying this is uh, genetic? No, 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 no. That there's a feeling that these people have that, you know what, maybe like that somebody's watching, but like that thing, like the conscious that uh, I'm losing the word for it, but that, that need to live up to something better than them right something outside of themselves right i'm, I'm getting to that it's it's being able to escape maybe the narcissism too that i think maybe we would agree we see more and more of in society but oh i was going to say um, it's kind
0: of like high personal expectations right so so but where does that come from yeah how do you kindle that <laughs> um i think <laughs> at school right i, I know I this is an why answer. i kind of went back to the school and then um i think how you're growing up right i mean uh, it's a part no, of it. Think, it it can help yeah. a lot i don't think that's it, the complete answer because there's a lot of people that came from maybe broken families or bad families that are just far above and amazing and excellent but i think it's a it's a good head start And they can be your parents they can be friends yeah other relatives complete i mean yeah there's, no a, there's a there's a whole relation, developmental point in your life that's obviously extremely critical
1: probably for your future success right so so my closing remarks on this you you guys are way ahead <laughs> and I really I appreciate the thought process my closing remarks are basically that it's both significant and imperative that parents mentors role models view the impact and influence of their words and actions as a sacred responsibility to those they learn from and to those they teach yeah those are- Good word. Absolutely.
2: Responsibility. What other sacred responsibilities could people list on the
0: street if you asked them? Wow.
2: It gets you thinking.
0: You know, and it's funny, the older, the older I get and the more I go through life, the more I realize that in a good way, it's all good. I'm like, man, you look back and I'm like, all those years of like, I'll give you a personal example. Um, Playing football. I signed up for football when I was like, the youngest I could, I had have been five or six years old. You know, they, we called it little league football, peewee, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And, um, you know, at that point, it, when I'm five years old, I'm just doing life and enjoying being a kid. I didn't know if I wanted to do football or I didn't or what have you. So it was cool. Yeah, let's go hang out with friends and play football. So I did that till uh, I think my senior year in high school. And vividly remember, you know, football starts... In August right mid to late August so the first two weeks of football practice are like the hottest weeks of the summer 90 95 all that good stuff and um, that's that's a point in the season at the very beginning every kid is out of shape from eating garbage food all summer and just doing whatever right you just run 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 and I'll keep this short but that's that's also the point where a lot of people that signed up for that season quit and you know, that was one thing I could never imagine. I couldn't even, could never think about that. Like you signed up, you're going to see it through, right? And I did that for, from six till I was 17 or 18 years old. And uh, it's yeah. like ingrained in my philosophy of life now, you know, you signed up for it. You're going to see it through. If you don't want to do it again after you, you finish, fine, right? That was kind of the rule. You don't If you don't want to sign up again, that's fine. We're not going to be mad at you. But you signed up, so you're going to see it all the way through. So, I don't know. I love that, but just, so did
2: those thoughts enter your mind? Yeah. Or did you only take note after you saw others doing it and be like, well, wow, we just started, man. You guys are bailing? No,
0: no. It was like kind of the way, you know, it's not like- You kind of felt. Yeah, and the way it was- Yeah, but that had to come portrayed portrayed, somewhere from somewhere Yeah, from my parents. That's what I'm getting but, at, from my parents, my family. Uh, you know, like I couldn't imagine- yeah. There would have been. Don't quit. Don't give he, up. Exactly. I don't know if I want to say they would have been like heavily disappointed in me and all that, maybe. But it just the way I was brought up, right? Is like you—you you started. You're not quitting. You don't give up. You just you see it through. And I saw a lot of people that didn't, and I was like, I don't, how could you go through life like that? Like you signed up for this. Don't give up. You know. I don't know. And that's my so philosophy for life. Moving on. And but my point is. And I know this is long-winded now, is like that was when I was young, right? For, started at six years old all the way till I was 17, 18. Um, I think that's a developmental point in somebody's life where they kind of de- get those habits, if you want to call that a habit, maybe. <laughs> I think it
2: certainly is a habit and one that will undoubtedly be passed on, not only to you know your progeny in the future, right. but... It's not just from parent to children, too. It's I mean, Mentoring is a huge part of yes. this. And mentoring sounds very formal, but it can be you can mentor somebody and you don't even know you're being a mentor and they don't even know you're being a mentor. But these types of things are mentorable things. Mm-hmm. Because the expectation was set, but Clayton, you cared about that expectation. Your parents could have had that expectation, but for some reason, you had that ability and people do. To say there's an expectation of me, I'm going to rise to that, right? It's not maybe not in my nature right now, but I'm looking outside of myself and pulling
0: myself up to that level. And I think that's a lot of what's. Oh, so you're digging. You're digging deeper than what I was where I'm at. You know, you're trying to answer like, uh, where does that come from?
2: Well, I think we can talk about what it means to be mediocre or excellent, but I, I am more interested in like why. I mean, there's, I'll be honest, there's days I don't feel excellent. I don't feel like pursuing excellence, but, and it it does take work, you know, depending on what you're doing. But so I'm more interested in those human motivators, especially what, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a part of society. I see what's going on. I have children, I have older friends, I have younger friends, I have parents, whatever. But, you know, there are some troubling things and themes going through society with a lot of you know buzzwords and what that kind of kind of means for how people interact with each other and pursue their own truths
0: <laughs> wow so, i'm gonna let jim or well, jim or yeah, mark I, jump I in not on, yeah. go
2: anywhere with that but i think we do <laughs> i don't think they want to jump in so claim next just, topic
3: <laughs> just feeling motivated that we were going to be i wanted this thing to be trashing <laughs> i had <HVAC> installs and, <laughs>
1: Oh, let's <laughs> go there. Building construction, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all the way from start to finish. Um, yeah, we can we can certainly do that too. But uh, before we go there, I'd like to address Nick's concern or his commentary. Where does it come from? Right. Well, I, I don't know what age you recognize it at, but certainly at the, you know, five, six years old, you know, it, it's important that, somebody somewhere uh, recognize, hey, it's great that kids have a curiosity. It's great that kids have a, a desire to learn because kids do have a desire to learn. And I am ardently opposed to them getting all of their information from SpongeBob SquarePants. I'm sorry, he's not the role model that I want for my grandkids. So to that end, it's turn off the television. We're gonna go do whatever. Uh, that is, in fact, part of the real world, whether it's take something apart or take a walk and understand, you know, okay, the birds are coming back and they're going to build nests, and here's the different kind of, I don't care what it is, but recognizing that uh, children are learning machines and they learn exactly whatever is in front of them or they're exposed to, be that get up in the morning and brush your teeth or. Uh, let's do something exciting and improve our world by, you know, uh, cleaning up a pond or walking up the road and picking up trash or whatever it is mm-hmm. and having a conversation with them. That's our responsibility. And I don't think there's enough of that fostered right now. It's left to the school systems and um, that innate curiosity and desire to learn is fostered at a young age. And it's imperative that we all engage young people um to to get that going you know it's jump started and then those young people grow up and become mediocre
2: engineers <laughs> well no, i was going to say engineers oh, no. and building managers and consultants <laughs> and designers and all kinds of people that well we what we do you know so i have run s- into all the time
0: i have something to add on to kind of what what mark was saying and i think this is a message this is a phrase that is, well, he Mark put it in the outline, and I agree with him. Is heavily overused and in the wrong way. Probably is work smarter, not harder. Do we want to kind of get into that a little bit? Because I think even as at a young age, and through you know your your uh, educational years, is that phrase keeps coming up, right? Work smarter, not harder. Work smarter, not harder. And I think that might that plays a big role into how people in the professional world kind of assess situations and respond to them and probably could lead to a mediocre outcome, right? Okay. I was going to say, I think
2: it's a stupid statement. Is that kind of where you're
0: going? Yeah. I just didn't say it that, okay. that way.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, think,
1: I think there's only one word wrong with that. Right. And it should be work smarter and harder yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of the effect of working smarter is not, oh, I have more free time. I mean, if that's what you want, great. Yeah. If I work smarter and harder, I learn faster. I sharpen my skills and the effect is not additive. It's multiplicative. So you work smarter and, and harder for five years, you'll be able to do more than somebody who's worked smarter, not harder that by a factor of 20 or 40 or 60. If you, if you work smarter and harder. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. And I think that's why that, that smarter, not harder kind of allows you to fall into that, if you would call it the mediocre category, maybe as bad as that sounds, which maybe isn't a bad thing if that's what you want. You're fine with that, right? That, no, I don't care. But I think that thought process allows you to to fall or settle into that category.
2: I think some would say it'd be smart to... Work as hard as you need to to meet the expectations of your managers. In fact, yeah, recently I listened to this podcast episode and it was about this new culture of people that are holding down two full time jobs. It's called overemployed, mm-hmm. right? With with how much you can do remotely now, and these people get two full time jobs. Like neither employer knows, but and they're talking about the key is that you have to find a job that is not very demanding and that your management has very low expectations for your work quality right and there are people out there doing this <laughs> so i thought that was appropriate at this point so
0: obviously you have somebody doing that to me that's working hard. harder not smarter
2: well i don't think they're, they're either working very hard in either one of the jobs they're uh, holding uh, Nick,
1: but the expectation is not there I'm, exu- I'm assuming based on the u.s model They're not working two 18-hour jobs, hence, 16 hours. They're doing two jobs concurrently. In an eight-hour day. Yes,
2: I'm sorry, yes. And managing like, no, I can't be on a conference call for company A. I'm gonna make up a lie that my kid's sick because I actually got a conference call with company B. See
0: how much work you're putting in to to make that situation work where if you've just used all of that energy towards one job, you could probably excel pretty well in it and probably Uh, get paid better, you know? I don't know. (laughs)
2: I haven't checked out the full Reddit threads on this <laughs> and Discord. I've learned a lot about it,
0: but uh, it seems like it's not that hard to do. But anyways,
2: smarter, not harder.
0: <laughs> Maybe. To me, that's harder, not smarter. But I didn't mean um, to digress. No, that, I think that was a good know, digress. Uh, where, where does it fall into you know, building a hot rodding then? Let's take this a little bit towards the workplace and, and out of the societal conversation
2: i would I would throw out this question to Jim maybe mark uh where's the first time you guys like saw like saw the mediocrity and really thought, whoa, this is becoming like a problem a pattern consistent, or can you even point to something like does it show up in i think design it's every level point in, oh you're
0: talking about in uh in industry okay yeah 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 I, I, I mean, we've I talked guess. about it in commissioning a little
1: bit yeah you know? uh we we looked over a commissioning report well, a year and a half ago and this is by, you know, a big, big, big engineering company. They did the design and they did the commissioning. And I reviewed it uh, on Tuesday just as a precursor to, to this um, podcast. And it was it read much more like a punch list than a commissioning report. There was not one documented measurement of anything. There was not one documented functional test and of the items that were commissioned, it was maybe only 25% of the mechanical systems in the building and zero critical systems in the building. So it looked nice. I mean, it was really beautiful color pictures, you know, mm. all that stuff. Right. there was absolutely no uh, connection between the building systems and the commissioning report to the actual building system's performance. When you start to actually do functional testing, which we ended up doing at a later time, uh, that commissioning report was nothing but you know eyewash. Looked good, but that's all it did.
2: So it did not meet the basic requirements of what's accepted as functional
1: testing? There was no. So there's
3: no functional testing. No right? functional okay. testing. No
1: pre-functional wow. testing. No nothing. Was it yeah. also
0: done by the same company that installed? No, it, did the engineering? Okay. Not okay, so why is
2: why is that not just substandard or a different word? Why is that mediocre? Like they didn't meet the scope. I could see if they're like, well, the scope oh, wasn't really like oh, so
1: oh. know. Kind of,
3: that case be below mediocre.
1: Yeah, I would say. <laughs> well, okay, it's below mediocre, but it was accepted as this is. Yeah. A, you know, we had this building commissioned by the owner. This was, you know, we had the building commissioned, and then you start asking the questions: Did they test A, B, C, D? Did they do a fire alarm shutdown? Do we know that the, you know, the dampers closed? Do we know that the free stats work? No, 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 and no. Hey, another okay. That's a great example of top down then dictating.
2: How mediocre you're going to get, or a right, right to yeah. accept oh, because definitely. it got to you after the building owner looked at it and said, Oh, thanks for the report. I'm going to pass this on to Mark and see what he thinks
1: that sort of thing. We, we, we all something I mean, probably didn't work go, or broke. I'll go back to another facility that we were asked to do commissioning on, pretty complex facility, a lot of high pressure steam, and we were asked to do commissioning because a commissioning report was required for a utility rebate. Okay. We quoted mm-hmm. it and it was a pretty big number because of the steam pressure, the number of boilers, um, you know, some pretty complicated control algorithms. And they said, no, we don't need that. We just need a report. And I said, we can't do it. <laughs> well, uh, but th- this was the owner driven now. So, okay. it, it Based on the facility, there are some definite safety potential slash life safety concerns. And do it right, or and honestly, that was the utilities, uh, the the rebate, the people providing the rebates were obviously concerned about that, uh, and they wanted to be sure that okay, not only are we meeting the energy objectives, but we're also doing it safely. But you know, the owner was responsible to pay for the commissioning and they didn't want to pay for a real commissioning job. They wanted a report.
0: I was going to kind of
1: get to that, and not to cut you off, Nick. I'm sorry. It's like, no, just I
2: was just going to mediocre expectations. Yeah. Well, yeah they and grandma, wasn't,
1: they weren't listening to grandma. What would grandma say? You can't do that. What if somebody gets hurt?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think totally. I agree completely with that, but that's where, like, that's a, people don't, I feel like a lot of people don't tend to, I, I can't even say that. I don't want to generalize, but you know, when you do have to make that decision of, do I do go the extra mile, even though I'm not getting, I don't know, is it getting paid to do it right? Some people don't. Well, they don't
1: want to pay the money yeah. to do it right. Yeah. So, okay. There was a financial incentive yeah. to cut corners and mm-hmm. there's always a financial incentive to cut corners. But... Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, there's, unfortunately they did get it done. They got it done by somebody else, one of, one of our competitors. And I, Hey, I can fully understand that, but, um, it would be just a, a tragedy and a travesty if, uh, anything negative ever happened.
0: So does, who does that fall on though? The commissioning team or the owner for saying, I want to get the cheapest all thing. The po- yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. I agree. All of the above. Yeah. You know something that just jumped out to me recently i think i might have mentioned it um, in the last episode a little bit just doing a recent um level two you a know, large multi-family building and just noticed how um you know I'm, I'm coming into these older buildings to have older central systems that haven't a degree of complexity you know just nothing crazy just a central commercial hvac system that requires trained maintenance um you know you have to maintain pumps grease bearings you know you have to do maintenance duties mm. and um more and more of the operating and maintenance staff i'm coming across in, um you know that specific market has absolutely no training and no Ability to properly maintain these assets, and it's pushing um, designers to and owners to push for as close as you can get to zero maintenance type systems. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of very simple, hundreds of little mini splits everywhere. You see mini splits everywhere now, um, in, Mm. in place of other where you could have a central system that would probably be economically, you know, over the life cycle, a better alternative. Uh, but when you factor in, you know, that deficit in the O&M, um, you know, that was just a, a recent example because, I, you know, coming from, you know, a couple years ago where I spent a significant amount of time in the industrial setting where, again, I was in an older industrial facility where the, the staff was highly trained and they have, highly complex equipment and this stuff was originally designed you know almost 100 years ago and it was to a level um you know looking at drawings from 100 years ago compared to now was another thing the level of detail mm. you know the the rigor that went into it um is just they didn't have copy and paste back then the way we have it now it, it's it wasn't design and, and engineering wasn't really a it's commoditized as it is now. Um, you know, it's a true profession, and it's you know, kind of sad to see. But you guys have been motivating me a little bit during this this episode, so hopefully, hopefully, you can turn around.
1: Well, so Jim, I'm going to go back mm-hmm. to when I started in business. It was before CAD, all right, and many, many sets of drawings weren't even pencil drawings; they were inked vellums. Wow. So, if you made a mistake on an inked vellum, uh, your, your uh, reparations were made with a razor blade where you carefully scraped your ink off, praying not to cut the vellum and consequently have to redraw the entire drawing. So, the amount and level of attention to detail in every aspect was so much greater that, you know, not only was there not cut and paste, there was not even an eraser. So, um, I just look at it like, and, and I've had, you know, the true pleasure of looking at mechanical drawings from the 1800s and early 1900s, and they are works of art. Mm-hmm. Total Absolutely. works of art. Um, you know, one of the trips we took to Hawaii. There's a there's a sugar plant uh, on Maui, and they had a full on. Uh, waste heat boiler that they used uh pressed sugar cane stalks as the fuel uh, condensing heat recovery. I mean, all kinds of things. And the drawings, one of the drawings, the primary drawing was uh, in the lobby of the visitor center. And it was a thing of stunning beauty, really. And then you just don't see that anymore. You, you, I haven't seen a set of drawings that I just, that really knocked my eyes, you know, out of my head in a long time, Um, and and usually you're checking drawings and you find everything from uh, typos to, you know, line weight errors to just all kinds of things, cut and paste errors, Um, you know, certainly not uh, hand-lettered or even calligraphy uh, on a mechanical drawing.
2: I think that should be a whole new genre of displayed art, Mark like fully framed like maps of the world old building drawings I agree yeah no I recall so not as old as you mentioned but I I do recall just you know my younger years going through the archives of certain buildings and finding some old stuff and just being like wow this is crazy I love it yeah elegant
3: the stuff in the 20s 30s 40s is just phenomenal
2: but Jim raises interesting points like the, the move to You know, it's a new equipment and systems and, you know, maintenance free, like a modular disposable, which seems to be quite at odds with let's build something sustainable and something we can repair and fix and don't have to fill up landfills and, you know, have all this other environmental waste and producing a new replaceable inline pump or split system. Throw it out, get a new one. Yeah, I mean, we are very disposable and with the the quality of materials and and composition of things, you're, I mean, uh, are there a lot of things you've had for a long time? Uh, Most of the stuff I've had for a long time was made long before I was even born. Yeah. You know?
0: Does (laughs) capitalism drive that a little bit? Oh, now I'm getting like way deeper than anything, but like the market and costs and that, you know, we make things cheaply because people don't want to pay money for things that will last. Now, I feel uh, like I just asked a question that just, I just completely derailed this. So I'm sorry. Well, but I'll give I'll a quick answer and yeah. we
2: can go back. I mean, I think free enterprise is the answer. I think it's been perverted and bastardized in so many ways. We could talk for another couple episodes <laughs> yeah. on it that you don't really know. But no, there is a the certain aspect to that. But I mean, it, it maybe is it driven like, I mean, when Jim was describing that, I go, well, it's pretty smart of the manufacturers. They're trying to sell equipment that- building operators aren't really being able to maintain and support. So that's not good. Yeah. Right. Because when it breaks and fails, they're probably not going to buy the same thing. So yeah, it sounded smart, but it's interesting. Like what, what drives that too. (laughs) And it being at odds with everything you hear about, you know, green is the only way and we need to do stuff sustainably. And, but but we still are such a vast consumer nation. It just seems.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh man, I think that's, drew a, it to me. that's a good segue into our there we future, go. <laughs> Our next <laughs> <wrote> episode, down... <laughs> or two episodes from now, or whatever it is, you know. That is a well, great segue. You kind segment. of spawned
2: a couple things. Here's another idea is the commoditization of engineering. I thought yeah. that was an interesting statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wrote down that empathy can work against excellence. And I think that's kind of a little provocative, what? right? Yeah, well, it is. What are you talking I about? Mean, there's a move, you know, that, you know, that, we need to be
0: like, it's okay. It's okay, buddy. You, you messed well, up. Well, you got to understand
2: where people are coming from. And if you understand their circumstances and maybe the things they're dealing with, then you would lower your standards and they would then meet them. Right. So like, I mean, it's like we, we're, we work in teams. I have, teams. To, yeah, please. I have to
1: throw in a quote from Albert Einstein, right? Never heard of him. Okay. <laughs> he who joyfully marches in rank and file has already earned my contempt. He's been given a large brain by mistake, since for him the spinal cord would suffice.
2: Oh, that's cold, Albert. (laughs) That's that's a little disrespectful, don't you think?
1: Probably, and that's why I quoted Albert Einstein instead of saying it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Did Einstein
2: really even say that? Yes. Okay. No, I mean in the proper context, I think I know what he's saying. He's obviously not talking about somebody that chooses to serve in the military yeah. for a period oh, of time. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, ah, of no, 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 not. no, no. The rank and file means that you know you want to be mediocre, and you're
0: okay with it, and you just yeah fine. I'll do do the bare minimum of what is expected of me to maintain my status of whatever it is, and
2: ooh. Ooh, I just had sort a of thought okay is, is there safety in mediocrity
0: absolutely is that the draw absolutely of and oh that, I'm sorry it's <laughs> a brilliant new thought for me to have no. but you guys knew this yeah okay. absolutely I think that and that drives a lot of mediocrity in and I won't give a specific example I'm just going okay. up but in industry
1: right and sure. in everything yeah another Albert Einstein quote here we go great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Mm. That's good. Wow. That's really good. So is is there safety? Yeah. You you have no chance of being criticized. Just for
0: just like Jim's example of putting mini splits up. They work. Never gonna they get work. criticized, right? Okay. Well,
1: except I, I have to ask the question only because I'm old and apparently naive. Is we there understand. any such thing as a mechanical system that is zero maintenance? No, I can't Ooh. imagine. No, Jim. A
2: mechanical related oh. to buildings,
3: yeah. I'm, I'm gonna say, I mean, well, yeah, it, it, technically, no, yeah, but there, there are systems that are much more forgiving to that lack of maintenance, I suppose.
1: You know, I just, agree, right? So, even those systems that are much more forgiving can there a life cycle be extended with a minimum amount of maintenance? Oh,
3: absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, you know, just the first thing that comes to mind is just older scroll compressors. Like sure. Your refrigerator from 30 years ago. Probably will kill, still be running today <clears throat> with little or no maintenance, you know, but if you just make sure that it's as simple as just making sure the condenser coils are cleaned every now and then the prevent your compressor from overheating will extend the life but you know something like that's going to be very i guess this touches both markets here's a rise of meteorology you had very strong uh just super dependable scroll compressors and everything from 80s and 90s and you know i we all have that old refrigerator that's still still taking compared to the new ones that have, you know, inverter compressors that are failing after three to five years. And I can't tell you how many people I know that have had issues with some of these new compressors. Um, but kind of to tie it back to that maintenance question is you know, yeah, there you know everything needs maintenance. It's gonna it won't hurt you. It's gonna prolong even though the most forgiving scroll might last decades, you're only gonna extend that even further if you do the proper maintenance to it.
2: But we certainly are moving that way, though, it seems, to a maintenance-free society.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Well, everything. I think about, like, automobiles. Like, I feel like all you have to do now is change the oil. Very few vehicles, you know, require much, you know, the basics now, I, for as far as I know, most modern vehicles require an oil change. You know, your air filter changed. Whereas before, you had you know, much more frequent transmission fluid. Uh, changes, you know, differential fluid. Um, you know, so the spark plugs typically need more changes. You know, we're, we have fuel injection now, so you don't have to get into the, the carburetor maintenance you used to have to do. Um, but it's definitely moving in that direction where more stuff is becoming hands-off. Than,
2: uh, and the maintenance that you do do has become more specialized, where now most outsourced. people <laughs> that would have done it 30 years ago don't do it anymore. Cause, yeah, and uh, it's cost and tools you know, a lot of people used to hands work are on too big to fit there.
3: Exactly. Or you need the special tool to get the oil filter off. Mm-hmm. Your Volkswagen there. Do you have a TDI? Yes, I do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me all those 50,000 mile coolant changes and brake fluid flushes? I didn't, damn. Volkswagen's been running me a line of garbage with all this maintenance they have me doing mine. <laughs> oh,
3: <on> my- <laughs> no, you're doing the right thing. <laughs>
1: So I want to take a step back about is it good to be average or is it good to be mediocre? Uh, And, you know, I put it in the outline, but I think uh, we have to look at the human species a little bit, right? Just a little bit. How do we We, get to the point where we have this amount of free time, this amount of GDP, and up until last year had GDP growth almost 70 years consecutively. So in our history, long time ago, if you were average, whether it was in, you know, thought, strength, stamina, persistence, tool-making, hunting, shelter construction, there was a much lower chance of survival and probably a minimal chance at an ability or an opportunity to procreate, right? It was survival of the fittest yes we became better mm-hmm. not only as a species because low performance was not only frowned upon it was deadly and reviled right not only were we not lazy we as a species excelled right? developed mathematics astronomy built pyramids around the world had democratic governments in the United States before European settlers developed airplanes, space flight, put a man on the moon. There is not one iota of mediocrity in any of that. So the need for excellence and the abhorrence of mediocrity is what drove the world to where we are now. Mm. I think that's dark, though.
0: There's got to be some optimism in there.
1: There is optimism. I thought in it. there was. Oh, okay. There's a lot of optimi- optimism in it. The, my, my challenge is to everyone to reject mediocrity as a state of being. See, I struggle with the
2: the mixed of mediocrity and average. And I do get hung up on words and sometimes I need some help to move past it. But like, if we didn't put a man on the moon, uh, we would be average, I guess, which would be okay. No, I say no. I'm just putting out one example. Like to me, that seems to be the pursuit of that's like excellence. I don't know. Maybe it's just semantics, right? Or to me, like
1: don't be media mediocre. Is not okay, such a let's good... go back to the Wikipedia definition right mediocrity is common because most people are more or less average are you kidding me? are you still reading from Wikipedia uh, but I'm sorry did your neighbor
2: John put that definition in check the citation is, <laughs> is it John down the street did he write that Nick,
1: his friend my Rick point agree? is that, that definition <laughs> my point is that that go definition does not recognize that we are driving the average down a society.
0: See, I was gonna, I was gonna like be a little, uh, contrarian to that and say like, oh, I, and this is just, I know like me, it, to me, mediocrity is also pretty subjective, right? But um, we'll use like grades for an example, just because everybody kind of understands. So you you get your, uh, you get a ninety nine on a test, right? To me, or a hundred. You you take an exam, you get a hundred or. Whatever, use an SAT score, and um, you're in the 99th percentile. Okay, that's excellent, right? We can agree on that. Mm-hmm. So, what if you, what if the average is the 90th percentile or whatever? You're 90. Wait, I don't think they do that stuff anymore. No, but um, oh, <laughs> I agree, and that's that's a problem. But um, just <laughs> using something that like we can all like just understand. Discuss. We can all relate. Yeah, to yeah, it. yeah. I like, agree. Um, okay. say, you know, okay. God so beats. my my um, uh, counterpart gets a ninety nine, and I get a ninety. Am I mediocre?
1: If that's the average. You okay? So let let's just. Going back, where are we at? We're in high school. We're taking yeah, sure, or, yeah, and... or
0: you know, taking a college exam in whatever
1: course. You, you know, you're comparing a smaller segment of the population. All right? You, you yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would agree with that. a Population that is representative of it's not representative of the entire community. I don't think that matters. I think you can have a small subset. It certainly does. Yeah, you like, an average you know, quality. that's what I'm trying to, it's like,
0: to me, it's kind of subjective because even if you take the example, and I'm not, I don't want to say I'm disagreeing. I'm just trying to provide like an alternative thought to right. it. It's like, you know, okay, um, man, I ordered a burger from Fast Food Place and, you know, this this example came up in our last podcast too and it, it came all parts and pieces and I had to assemble that myself. So, <laughs> Does that mean society is mediocre or does that mean society is in the 90th percentile and there's those few, you know, whatever, uh, smaller Outliers? Group? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Group outliers? Yeah. Are those the outliers or is that society? <laughs> Maybe that's a question for our listeners. Give them a little bit of thought to comment on. What do you, I don't know. What do you guys think? You see where I'm getting at with this? Or is this just way in the weeds? Oh, no, I don't. Okay. I don't know. Nick, you seem uh, to pick up uh, uh, what I was trying to s- communicate a little bit.
2: Well, are you yeah. saying like if the average is just higher, yeah. does anything above that mean it's
0: better? Well, yeah. Like, are we, of, course of course it though? We're saying the average is dropping, but I don't know. Is it? Well, 100%. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I, I do agree with that <laughs>
2: statement. If, there, if there's less excellence out there being pursued and more acceptance of what is mediocre, and I agree then, average i mean i think the difference with mediocre is there's a context that it's average but it could be better i mean yeah you know if you're making three batches of whiskey or something you know you could have an average quality and then there's one that hey wow this is kind of mediocre you know it's it could be better maybe that's a be- not a better example <laughs> but uh i well, don't I know think you're I right mean, nick
1: i mean if you go and buy tires let's just let's get a hot rodder example in here, All right? You go to buy tires at, you know, the discount tire store online. You don't have, you always have good, better, and best. Yeah. You don't have crappy, average, and good. Mm-hmm. So I think your analogy is probably right that we, we have a perception that mediocre is good. Yeah, probably a little below average. It's it, it's a C minus or a D plus, yeah. right? I, I'll buy that. But if our if our average for a C plus or a B minus continue the the performance required to get a C plus or a B minus goes down and down and down, and everything shifts. Yes. everything shifts. Yeah, I I
0: agree with that. But if everybody's excellent, then isn't everybody mediocre?
1: (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) that's yes. Wouldn't that be be wonderful?
2: Yep. A new standard. Yeah. I think that's where maybe Mark was leading into this yeah. is that we by default are producing a new lower inferior standard by what the whatever we're yeah. doing or not doing out there or with the people in our circles or with ourselves, which really is probably where it starts. You know, we, we're we're pointing at other people here, but we're guilty of these things too.
0: Yeah, but like on the contrary, if you would consider yourself you know, excellent, or, you know, what, yeah, if, if you consider yourself excellent, and then you said, everybody around me said also be excellent, and they were up to your level, then you all would be mediocre.
1: I, I well, think that, no, so in this <laughs> right? case, I have to say, excellence is an ongoing effort yeah. all the time. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's every single day, and there, there's a difference between excellence and perfection, mm. Right. So excellence means that we are put on the face of the earth with these gifts from God, whether they're you know musical ability or athletic ability or whatever it is and we use those gifts to the fullest of our capability and, and effort because I, I, excellence is not a uh, how do I want to say it? it's not the end of the journey because hopefully it, it's a continuous process but Ascribing yourself to not getting on a journey or having a process is not a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yep.
2: Well put. Excellence is certainly a culture that you can uh, cultivate for yourself. but In every aspect of life. When is it okay not to be excellent? (laughs) Uh, You got to make choices? Yeah. What
3: was that? (laughs) <clears throat> I said during the mediocre podcast. Yeah, <laughs> during the mediocre podcast.
0: Uh, I don't think it's a day to day or specific. Um, you know, not a specific example or piece. It's a it's a holistic approach more. I would say you can't just be beat yourself up because um, you know all this one task I did to what was needed and I didn't take the next step. It's like in general, do I do I strive to like Mark said, strive to be better. You know? Oh, I know. Like when I mow my lawn, I don't pursue excellence yeah. and I'm
2: fine yeah. with that. I do. Uh, okay. And some people do. That's just one of those things. Yeah. I don't. I just, you know, so like Laser that is one lines. of those. Oh gosh. I, I'm envious to be honest. If
0: I could, I would, but I can't. So I won't. There, that's, that's my layout. Yeah, but you so, can't be yeah. all mediocre now because I didn't mow my lawn to the best of my ability. You know, it's, 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 it's the holistic approach. And it's fine. Yeah, I may be a mediocre lawnmower, and I'm fine with that. It's
2: yeah. not something I choose to pursue excellence because you cannot pursue excellence in everything.
0: Well, I,
1: there I, was, I, was a lot I, of I silence there. I
0: would almost disagree a little bit, but
1: well, I, I, Nick, I would agree that if you gauge yourself by, okay, you know, I, I'll never be a professional hockey player. I'll never be some things, but does it mean I can't be better? tomorrow than what I am today. Yeah. I don't think anybody can say it's not possible. It is not. Nobody on the planet, I don't think can say I'll never be any better than what I am today.
3: It's a very
2: sad thing to say about somebody or yourself. I agree. And not true. Yeah. It's just plain. Not true. Mm -hmm. Okay. You changed my mind. I cannot wait. For lawn mowing season, I'm going to show you guys.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Laser straight lines
1: like Jim. Right. <laughs> I do very well right up to the weed whacking part. Yeah. <laughs> so where do we...
0: I think we we have to start wrapping this episode up. We're kind of hitting our, our time limit of,
1: you know... Yeah, I don't know how you'll make an episode out of this. I playlist. think
0: it's going to be a great episode. I, I really hope our listeners enjoy kind of the conversation. And, and as we said in our, you know, our last podcast episode about hot riding, uh, facilities is, you know, comment, you guys listen, tune in. And if you have anything to say, reach out or leave a comment. We'll, we can talk about it or, you know, add it into our next episode. Um, yeah, this, I think this was a great episode though, of speaking about mediocrity as a society. And then You know, we did, we dabbled into the, the facility aspect of a little bit. And I think going into this, we knew this was going to be a a more general conversation and maybe we need to revisit it more specific to facilities, but um, yeah, I don't know. might be a good theme to, to highlight
2: when we can, you know, the difference between something done excellently and something done with mediocrity. Well, I
0: think that's a, one of the biggest takeaways of this episode, right? I mean, like on a personal level is take, take a step back and think, did I did I do the best I can? Did I do an excellent job? Or did I do a mediocre job on whatever you're doing? And obviously there's limitations. You can't, if it's financial or time or what have you, but in general, if you say, I did this, did I, did I do a good job on this? Should I do a little bit more? For anything, I think that's the Uh, Overarching, I don't know, topic or goal of this episode, right? I've got a little kicker to
2: add in here. I think it's also when we talk about uh, how to foster this, you know, culture of excellence, if you will. Uh, You you gotta, you gotta, you gotta recognize it when you see it in others too. Yes, let them know, and it's a huge. Oh, we didn't even get into that. Just
0: came to me, Clayton. I'm sorry, but that's
2: a huge takeaway for me that we need to recognize. Excellent. so no campaign. more
1: participation
2: like to, trophies
1: well I don't no. know about that but I think what Nick's saying is is call them out and raise them up um, by saying good job great job excellent job good idea all those things are important and yeah it was no, noticed it I mean, was noticed the message exactly right that's it okay great so I, for our for our listeners, Here's the challenge for the week. Use the following correctly in sentence. Cite c i t e, cite s i t e, cite s i g h t, feign f a n e, feign f a i n, feign f e i g n, vein v a n e, vein v a i n, vein v e i n, raise r a z e, raise r a i s e, and raise r a y s. Good well, luck. We've got a week. Thanks. <laughs> got a week. <laughs> All righty, guys. I think with that, we'll wrap
0: this episode up. Um, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this hopefully not mediocre podcast. We strive to be excellent on the Building Hot Rodders podcast, and I hope you guys agree with that. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, looking forward to talking with you guys in two weeks.